From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And with me is Father Mark Ledoux, pastor of St. Peter Catholic Church in Karen Crow, Louisiana. Father Mark, welcome. Thank you, Taylor. Good to be with you this morning. And uh, our topic is uh, the recent opening of the cause for Father Joseph Verbus Lafleur, who was a uh, World War II era U.S. Army Corps chaplain uh, who died uh, saving the lives of fellow prisoners of war with whom he was on a Japanese ship that had been torpedoed by uh, mistakenly by uh, by U.S. Navy warship. Uh, Father Mark, can you uh, give us a little background? Where does this cause stand? And uh, I say it was opened. Uh, What exactly do I mean by that? Well, first, uh, uh, Taylor just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to to speak a little about Father Lafleur and and for the invite uh, to your your broader audience, uh, and particularly, I know, to many military um, individuals and families who will be hopefully listening to this and maybe can be a, um, an opportunity for uh, some uh, intercession on the part of Father Lafleur, uh, now servant of God, actually. So very excited about this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we opened the cause uh, for Father Lafleur on uh, Saturday, September the 7th. Um, I'm sorry, Saturday, September the 5th uh, of this year uh, at St. Landry Catholic Church in Opelousas, Louisiana which was um, the very place where Father Lafleur um, uh, expressed his desire of wanting to become a priest, where he was serving Mass as an altar boy, and uh, eventually uh, where he left uh, from and then entered into seminary uh, formation. So uh, it was beautiful to be able to have the bishop uh, formally open the cause for canonization at St. Landry Catholic Church, which is just a magnificent church itself, um, and um, to be there, uh, to be there in the same space where he offered his first solemn mass of Thanksgiving after his ordination in 1938. Um, so it was a, it was a beautiful uh, event, but really the the opening of the cause um, is really an inquiry period. Um, it starts at the diocesan level. Um, and it begins kind of with the um, the devotees, uh, the people who are just moved by, you know, the life of um, the person who is being uh, brought forth to the church uh, to, to look at, to investigate, uh, to make inquiry about, uh, and to see, does this person um, exemplify, um, you know, a life of virtue? Uh, does this person... Uh, reflect um, holiness of life, and was their real pursuit uh, love of God and truly love of neighbor? And we really believe that that's uh, evident and present in Father Verbus Lafleur's life. And let me ask you this: Father Lafleur was killed off the coast of the Philippines, and I that's understand correct. I understand there were some jurisdictional questions about uh, which. A diocese would uh, proceed with the cause. That's right. Actually, uh, it, it kind of set us back a bit uh, because um, 
we we had to get permission first uh, for competency. Uh, in order for a bishop to open a cause, uh, he has to be the competent ordinary. Um, and typically that's determined by where the um, person dies. So because Father Lafleur died off the coast of the Philippine Islands, um, there was lots of different um, issues to work, look at, like you know, he was in international waters, uh, or was he within uh, the territorial area um, of the Philippine Islands, and then that would have fallen under a jurisdiction of perhaps one of the Philippine uh, dioceses. So um, realizing that it was more over international waters, um, we wrote to the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints, and um, the bishop of our diocese made the request, would they administer competency because of all of the um, uncertainties and issues surrounding this, and that he was from here, and, and the devotion um, and the desire to see him brought forth to the church um, as, as a possible saint of the church, um, would they grant competency? And so the congregation uh, this year did that. They actually uh, administered a letter to the bishop uh, granting competency and um, actually uh, recognized Father Lafleur uh, based on the information we sent to them as a servant of God. So even before we actually opened the cause, the congregation had actually uh, recognized him as servant of God, which was really a a beautiful gift in and of itself. And when you say bishop, you're talking about Lafayette Bishop J. Douglas Dossatel. That's correct, yes. And, okay, well, Father Mark Ledoux, pastor of St. Peter Catholic Church in Karen Crow, Louisiana, uh, tell me more about the, um, the, the incident leading to uh, Father Lafleur's death. Well, uh, certainly this was the crowning, I would say, moment of his life, um, you know, and uh, what comes to mind immediately is uh, uh, no greater love hath man than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I think Father Lafleur had done that many times um, throughout his military career, um, for which the military acknowledged, um, I mean, he's the recipient of uh, bronze star, purple heart, and uh, the Distinguished Service Cross. Um, and in the last, uh, I believe it is two years, uh, we resubmitted and, and are still pursuing uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor, and we're hoping that uh, that would be granted. Um, but uh, in pursuing that uh, Medal of Honor, um, the military saw fit that he would be awarded um, two, uh, well, an additional bronze star and an additional um, um, uh, distinguished service cross. So um, this final moment of his life, um, just to take a step back, Father Lafleur was, um, you know, taken as a prisoner of war. They were ordered to surrender, um, and um, there were about 2,500 men. Um, they were part of the uh, Davao penal colony in the Philippine Islands. And uh, Father Lafleur, um, during that time, 
was a prisoner of war for about two and a half years. And, you know, his whole time there was really exclusive ministry to the prisoners, uh, with he himself being one. Um, and so um, what happened here was toward the end of that imprisonment, the Japanese um, took a work detail um, to, to develop an airstrip to uh, allow the Japanese, I guess, to fly in supplies as well as um, bring in, you know, needed uh, uh, military um, uh, supplies that they had uh, need of. But Father Lafleur um, was aware that 750 men of these 2,500 were going to be taken um, to this work detail. And so his immediate response was, uh, will there be a chaplain with these men? And the Japanese uh, officers said, no, no chaplain will be allowed. And he was greatly distressed by that, and he wanted to make sure that they would have a chaplain. And so trying to reassert that position, um, you know, they'd said, no, absolutely not. And so he said, well, would you allow me to go if I renounced my, my rank um, and, and went just as one of the, the men uh, on the work detail? And so they, they agreed to that. Uh, but in order for that to happen, um, th there was only room for 750. And so he would have been 751. So he actually had to ask someone to exchange places to, you know, to be able to go on this detail. So he wanted to do this. Um, he, he was very intentional about doing this, and um, they went on the work detail, and it was extremely difficult. Um, uh, the men who, who were on this detail, some of them already um, suffering from, you know, dehydration, some of them already dealing with uh, dysentery and, and multiple medical issues, um, they were they were worked from sunup to sundown, and Father Lafleur they said was right there with them the entire time. Um, there's a, a just a beautiful story about one day they were they had been working all day and they came back to the camp area, which of course was nothing more than uh, basically four poles and a, a lean-to type um, tin roof. Um, they they were very, very meager uh, arrangements, but <clears throat> at least they had grass uh, in the area. And that particular day, they, one of the men said they came back and there were just this, this huge influx of locusts that had swarmed the camp and had literally just um, completely eaten all of the grass. And so, you know, feeling very, uh, you know, down and, and, and already struggling uh, emotionally and, and mentally, um, you know, one of the men said to Father Lafleur, he said, how much worse, you know, can it get? And Father Lafleur responded, he said, well, he said, at least we have half the diet of John the Baptist. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, and, and he said, one of the men said that that was the first night in in probably uh, over a year, that they actually went to bed with full stomachs. 
because they they found a way to cook the locust and eat. Um, so these are the kind of you know real uh, harsh conditions that that they were living under. But the Japanese learned that that the Americans uh, were coming to retake the island, and when that was discovered, it was determined that the the, the POWs had to be moved. Uh, that they were not going to leave them and they were not going to surrender them back to the Americans. They were going to take them to Japan. And so they loaded the, uh, the, the, the POWs onto what was known as uh, hell ships. And this particular ship was called the Shinyu Maru. And it was a convoy of freighter ships that were, you know, on, on their way to Japan. And so they were... Um, you know, rounding the coast of, of the islands of the Philippines. And the American uh, military had sights on these ships. And the Japanese were not flying POW flags uh, or, or any kind of medical flag on these ships. And so, um, you know, the, the ships came under what we would call friendly fire. Um, they were thought to be uh, freighters carrying perhaps ammunition um, or explosives to be used against the retaking of the island. And so um, they, it was the USS um, Paddle submarine that fired, uh, I believe it was two torpedoes uh, at, at the ship, the Shinyu Maru, where Father Lafleur was. And it was on that ship that there were 750 men. And we have accounts uh, of individuals who, um, you know, kind of describe the details of that uh, that event. And uh, it was a horrific one, obviously. Uh, many died instantly. Um, many more were uh, in the in the hold of this ship. They had been in the hold of this ship for for days now, without you know being allowed to go out. Um, and what we were told is that. At the time that the ship was attacked, um, one of the Japanese officers up above opened the hatch so that the men could come out. But also at the same time, other Japanese officers were gunning down the POWs in the hold, and some were even throwing hand grenades into the hold. And if they escaped, some of them you know, uh, were able to jump into the water to try to swim to shore which would have been a good mile and a half, perhaps, uh, away, that they were also being uh, under fire by the Japanese. So in total, uh, 83 survived out of 750. And when they reached the shore, they all asked, where, where is Padre, uh, meaning Father Lafleur? And uh, they said, well, the last time I saw him was at the, at the hole. He was pushing men up out of the, the hold of the ship. Um, and he was nowhere to be found. And they all agreed, you know, he would not have left if there was one more man on that ship who could have survived. So that was the last, you know, the last time that he was actually uh, seen. So that was, the, you know, the crowning moment, really, of his life. I mean, that's where he laid down his life for his friends. Wow, what a story. Now, I'm quoting here from uh, a, an article written in the uh, 
the advocate, the Lafayette advocate, uh, by my old college friend Ken Stickney, a reporter down there. Uh, okay. and, and he mentions that uh, uh, that the um, cause, Father LaFleur's cause, is pursuing an unusual path. Uh, that is the offering of life, which uh, was advanced by Pope Francis in 2017. Tell me a little bit about that. Why pursue this uh, course rather than a more conventional path? Well, uh, because we... We really do feel that Father Lafleur, um, you know, uh, meets the criteria, um, and as as you just noted, it's it's a very new newly established path, taken r- directly from the Gospels uh, of Jesus's own uh, direction, his own words, um, and which he himself, um, uh, you know, lived and and uh, modeled for us on the cross. Um, in fact, uh, so much was that imagery of the crowning moment of his life, laying down his life for his friends, that when I was working with the, the, the family and the friends of Father Lafleur um, back in 2004 to uh, establish a monument in Father Lafleur's honor uh, at St. Landry Catholic Church, um, that that event of his life I wanted depicted in the monument. And so now we have just just incredible um, Italian carved uh, in white Carrara marble, um, you know, monument of Father Lafleur pushing uh, a man up uh, into for freedom, right? You know, into uh, into life. Um, and it's it's just a beautiful. Uh, artistic depiction of that event, um, but it—it's truly a, uh, one who who has sought to live out, I think, the the very uh, invitation of Christ, you know, to to be willing to lay down your life for your friends, and um, and so we're you know we're optimistically pursuing uh, the possibility of of, of that uh, option. Um, because we really feel that he fits the bill, so to speak. Um, so thank you for asking. That's a, it, it is a very new development, as you mentioned, uh, that Pope Francis has introduced and accepted by the, the congregation. And you mentioned Father Lafleur posthumously received the Distinguished Service Cross and the Purple Heart. That ceremony took place uh, back in uh, 2017, I believe, and uh, His Excellency, the Most Reverend Timothy P. Brolio, Archbishop for the Military Services, celebrated the memorial mass where uh, those honors were bestowed. And I should also mention that in a keynote speech to the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast here in Washington in 2017, Archbishop Brolio spoke of Father LaFleur. He said, quote, He was a man for others right to the end. Father LaFleur responded to his POW situation with creative courage. He drew on his virtue to care for, protect, and fortify the men imprisoned with him. Many survived because he was a man of virtue, giving unstintingly of himself. To speak of the greatness of our country is to speak of men and women of virtue who gave of themselves for the benefit of all. We build a new tomorrow when we draw from that wellspring of virtue." End quote. 
So Father Mark Ledoux, pastor of St. Peter Catholic Church in Karen Crow, Louisiana, uh, tell us a little more about the process. How long do you expect it will take? Uh, what's all involved? Uh, uh, can you go through that process for us? Well, Taylor, that's, that, that, there's a lot involved, um, and, and we could say a lot about it, um, more, much more than we have time for, obviously. But um, b- basically right now the process is on a diocesan phase, which simply means we are gathering any evidence um, of his life, um, any testimonials, any letters that he wrote, letters written, uh, about him or to his family about him, um, records both in diocesan archives as well as military archives, uh, seminary archives. Um, we are pursuing, you know, testimonials from individuals who might have been with him either in the prison camp um, or, uh, y- you know, um, during seminary formation, um, and of course. Many of those people um, have died uh, because of uh, just age. You know, we're getting we're getting close to uh, a time where most of those witnesses are not available to us anymore. But as much as possible to uh, to acquire any of those so that we can study them and um, put them together for um, our bishop to review. And if he judges. Um, you know, uh, the, the case to be worthy, then he will uh, go ahead and pursue uh, presenting the information from the diocesan phase um, to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. And if they accept um, this, uh, you know, information uh, on Father Lafleur and seem to and deem it worthy uh, of pursuing, then he would be granted the title of Venerable. And at that point, we would we would be entering into uh, the Roman phase of the the cause. Um, and you know, currently, however, uh, under the, the the cause being uh, at the diocesan level and with the uh, the granting of the title Servant of God, we can pursue um, intercessory prayer, um, and we can encourage. Uh, individuals to pray for the uh, intercession of Father Lafleur, as well as to pray for the cause itself. So we're encouraging people um, to seek him out, uh, seek out his intercession uh, before the Lord uh, for any particular needs that they may have. And and obviously, if if uh, some miracle is granted, to please contact us and and let us know because that's that's an integral part of the whole process. Um, an authenticated uh, miracle um, is needed uh, to move him um, toward sainthood. So in the normal course, you, you would need two miracles, one for beatification and one for canonization, so two. Um, but um, it, it's a very detailed process. Um, there, there has to go undergo great scrutiny, both from the scientific community, um, uh, as well as the church uh, to, to review any alleged miracle. And the church takes this really, really seriously, and they are intensely scrupulous about this. Um, so 
you know, that would be just a, a quick, broad overview um, of the process. And I suppose there's no way of telling just how long all this might take. There really isn't. Uh, it is really, it is really up to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I, I, I feel we're very fortunate um, that we have been able to open the cause, and um, you know, there's been great excitement and enthusiasm, and, and it continues to build. Um, and I think. You know, that, that in itself is, is just a grace and a blessing of affirmation um, that, you know, that the Lord is uh, moving us in this direction. Um, but, yeah, it, it's very difficult to know exactly how long the process can, can take. Uh, sometimes we'll see cases that start and you might get to, um, uh, you know, the person being declared uh, blessed, for example, uh, beatified, and then it might stall for a century and a half, you know, before that case is um, moved toward actual canonization. Um, but it's all dependent, really, and that's the beauty about this, it's all dependent on God's time and God's grace, uh, which just authenticates the whole process and the affirmation that this person is a saint. That you know, we are totally dependent on God's movement in this. Uh, without the miracle to affirm, we, we, we can't move. And so it's a beautiful system that the Church has established for us. How is Father LaFleur remembered there in his home state of Louisiana? Very fondly. Um, in fact, uh, I was blessed to be uh, an associate pastor, parochial vicar, uh, in the, the only parish that he was stationed uh, after his ordination in 1938, he went to St. Mary Magdalene Catholic Church in Abbeville, Louisiana, uh, which is south of Lafayette, uh, about 15 miles. And um, when I was there, which was almost, uh, almost 20, 22 years ago, something like that, he he was so fondly remembered by so many, both men and women, who remembered him um, as being um, so committed to the church, uh, so easy to speak to, so loving and compassionate. Um, and, and they spoke of him like he had been there yesterday. You know, um, I was privileged to be able to interview many of them before their passing, and. Um, they were able to give me great insights uh, about how he offered Mass, how he heard confessions, uh, how he worked with the youth, how he taught uh, the faith, um, how he was very ordinary in so many ways um, as well, in, in that you know he, he had a great love for, for sports um, and how he taught many of the kids um, you know, how to play certain sports, but also how to serve Mass faithfully and reverently, um, how to pray, uh, and how important it was for young men to pray. Um, he, was, uh, he, he, he was just beloved, and, and even there today, um, he is so well revered. Um, and even among the diocese uh, as a whole, uh, I think we, we've, we've been very edified by just the devotion of the people uh, to the cause. Uh, 
so so moved by him. Uh, it's an incredible story, you know, um, because it, you know n- not only was that event on the Shinyu Maru um, an incredible event, but many other times um, in the prison camp uh, and other moments of imprisonment. Um, I mean, he just exemplified incredible saintly virtue uh, over and over and over again. We've been talking about the recently opened cause for Father Joseph Verbus Lafleur, a U.S. Army Air Corps chaplain in World War II who gave his life so that fellow prisoners of war could escape a Japanese ship that had been struck by a torpedo. Father Mark Ledoux, pastor of St. Peter Catholic Church in Karen Crow, Louisiana. Thank you for your time. For more information on Father Verbus Lafleur, visit stlandrycatholicchurch.com. That's S-T-L-A-N-D-R-Y-C-A-T-H-O-L-I-C-C-H-U-R-C-H, all one word, lowercase, dot com. Or order the book, But He Dies Not, by Peter J. Guerra. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, the AMS, was established by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985. Her mission, to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, the civilian workforce employed by the federal government beyond U.S. borders, and the families of these populations, making the AMS the church's only truly global archdiocese. Among pastoral services provided by the AMS under Archbishop Timothy Brolio, celebration of the sacraments, endorsement of chaplains, evangelization and religious education, sacramental record-keeping, a thriving seminarian program, pastoral visitation by the bishops to military installations worldwide, and more. All told, 1.8 million Catholics all over the world depend on the AMS based in Washington, D.C. to meet their spiritual and sacramental needs. The AMS receives no government funding. She depends entirely on private gifts for survival. For more information, visit millarch.org.